Hey everybody, Jamie Uretsky. When you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. We're back in Overland Park, Kansas today. This is podcast number 33, and uh, we'll get into some of the famous numbers, 33s, in just a moment. And I'll tell you what, it's a big day. The Cubs won. We went to the game yesterday, and let me talk a little bit about that because that was a fun day. We went... Uh, along with our good friend Bob and his wife Ellen. And uh, Bob's been a little bit under the weather, but he is one of the biggest fans of the podcast. And he's a great guy, and he's recovering well. And I don't think I'd embarrass him to say that this guy is a fighter, and uh, he's going to be doing great, and he's already back playing golf. So he uh, not only plays golf, but he straps a bag on his back and goes and walks nine out at uh, Palma Valley. So anyway... Here's to Bob, here's to Ellen. It was great to have them and Doug and his wife and my wife out at the old Petco Park yesterday to watch the Cubs take on the Padres. And ho, 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 I don't think anybody told them that they're in a race for a playoff spot. I think that uh, somehow they were out at the beach surfing most of the day yesterday, and when they came to the ballpark, Nobody clued them in that the Brewers had won and the Cardinals had won. And if they lost today, they'd be five back from the Cardinals and a game back from the Brewers in the wild card spot race to go play and face Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg, which that brings up a good point. If you're Davey Martinez, who do you pitch in that first tiebreaker game, Strasburg or Max? Mad Max, I'd go with Max, but I think they're going to have to go with Strasburg. He's higher paid. Anyway, so back to Petco Park. What a great ballpark. It was a great day. An afternoon tilt against the Cubs. It was the, uh, I think, game number, the, they're down to 17 yesterday, down to 16 today. The Cubs sort of, I don't know, it was a weird game. It, they sort of seemed like they had a bigger lead than they did. Darvish was spectacular. He struck out 14. The uh, Padres have Hosmer, they've got Myers, and they've got a bunch of other guys I've never heard of, and Machado didn't play until the end of the game. So the Cubs are kind of just yawning their way to a 4 to nothing lead in the ninth inning. Joe's kind of gone through some pitchers that got through. Ryan had a little struggle, but the double play was the pitcher's best friend on a couple of occasions yesterday. And so we get to the bottom of the ninth inning, and all of a sudden – the bases are loaded with a four-run lead. And who comes strolling out of the dugout but the $300 million guy? Yes, sirree. Mr. Machado is coming to the on-deck circle to swing a bat and come to the plate with his team down by four and a home run by Machado, and the game is tied up. So you would think with the really the season on the line, if they blow a four-run lead, they're dead. I mean, they've had some daggers in the heart in the last month. This would be a dagger they could not remove. And Machado's got the capability of putting it out of the ballpark. So you would think this would be the time they'd go to their $43 million closer, Kimbrell, but he's hurt. You would think that they'd maybe go to C-check, but no. You know, he walked in the winning run uh, the day before. So maybe C-Check's kind of not going to go. You'd think they'd go to Stropy. Nah, he can't find home plate anymore if he was like three feet away. And you'd think they'd go to Kinsler. Nah, I don't think so because that guy's blown a few saves lately. 
So who do you go to in a key situation? Not weak, the guy they got for Edwards, because he's been kind of weak lately. They go to not weak, but take out the E, and you got Wick. They go to Wick. And he's the guy that loaded the bases. He's going to finish the game. Not a safe situation, yada, yada, yada. And what's he do with the 3-2 and two count on Machado, but he just drills him in the shoulder. like, And Machado gets all pissed. I mean, it was hysterical. Machado's like, oh, he threw at me on purpose. No, dude. Bases are loaded. He's not going to throw at you on purpose. Anyway, he hits him in the shoulder, and Machado goes for a space, two out. Bases loaded. Now, the winning run comes up to the plate. And does Joe have a live human being warming up at the bullpen? No. Nobody. Nada. It's nothing. It's Wick's game to lose. It's the Wick's game for the season. So, in comes Luis Urias, and Luis has got two homers in his life, and he wasn't going to hit one today. He struck out, I don't know, the Cubs must have struck out 16 or 17 Padres, and that was the game. We got out of the ballpark, and we headed for a fun, cold adult beverage right in the gas lamp district. So let me tell you a little bit about San Diego, because part of On the Lighter Side of Baseball is eating, drinking, and having a good time at the ballpark, going to the ballpark, and after the game. And I've been to Petco on a couple of occasions, and i got to tell you, it may be the coolest new ballpark in an old neighborhood that I've ever seen. Wrigley is obviously an old ballpark in a neighborhood that keeps growing and changing, the Gas Lamp District is a cool place. There are a lot of good bars with air flowing through them because San Diego is right there on the ocean and you got that summer breeze coming in. And you've got the fans and you've got the local people who are so nice. The uh, You know, in football, the Packers actually have really nice fans. The Padres, you know, they haven't won anything since Tony Gwynn was around. And... Uh, their fans are great. And after the game, the ballpark's like a block from like all sorts of bars and restaurants. You got to go to Petco, stay at the Marriott at Gas Lamp, and go up to the upper roof. I guess there's only one upper roof. A roof would be the upper part of the building. And you can see the end of the game from, from the, uh, the, the roof at the Marriott. It's very cool. Very cool. We had seafood. Believe it or not, I'm not a big seafood guy, but... My seafood consisted of uh, clam chowder, which was okay, even though, you know, it is the West Coast, Pacific Ocean. It really is more associated with the East Coast, but had some great rolls, had my clam chowder, and I also had some French fries. You know, I know it's not seafood, but I didn't have any seafood. The shrimp looked pretty good. Guys were getting lobster. Guys were getting oyster. Uh, my wife had a lobster roll. Very good. Outstanding. Now, back to the ballpark. I'll post a picture on Instagram here as soon as somebody can tell me how to do that. Again, reference my kids. So, it's like a baseball game broke out in a shopping mall. The uh, upper area where you walk the concourse behind... Home plate, from home plate to left field, home plate to right field, you have every kind of um, IPA in the world going down the right field line. You got Hodad's, which is a great local burger. And I took a picture of the 
uh, cheesesteak uh, place. That was great. They have Hebrew National Dogs. They're not as good as Vienna Beef, I hate to say it. But the dogs were pretty good. The bun was warm. The hot dog was pretty good. Filled up the bun. And uh, they have French's mustard. So how good can that be? Really good. It was great. They had um, Mr. Softy's ice cream. So here's what I'd do. If I, if I wasn't, if I, and we had a pregame meal with our friends Bob and Ellen beforehand. And uh, that was kind of a Mexican uh, flair to it. So we had Mexican food before the game. We had seafood after the game, and in between, I had a hot dog and a cheesesteak and, and a beer. So, if I was going to do this again next year, which I will do because Petco's great, and uh, like I said, we were hanging just up the coast near Temecula, I would have uh, a Hodad's burger. I'd have a Mr. Softy ice cream cone, and then I think I'd probably top it all off with uh, some kind of a uh, cheesesteak. Their cheesesteak looks really good, really good. So, uh, you know, if I were going to uh, have some food rating system with the five being, you know, I'm not going to say burps, I'm not going to say bites or pick on some other show that's already done that stuff. But out of, you know, let's say five hot dogs, this is a four, maybe a 4.5. Now, I will say between the ballparks I've been to so far, the Polska Kielbaski at the Cellular Field, which is now called Guaranteed Rate Park, was really good. Vienna Beef Dogs at Wrigley are good. The Wrigley Italian Beef is good. Miller Park, they've got Johnsonville Brats. How do you beat those? And the Hebrew National is okay, but it's in last place in the hot dogs. But the rest of the food is great, and I'm telling you what, I paid full value because I like to pay full value for my tickets because it's sympathetic to my cause when I try to sell a season one of my tickets I like to get at least face value but I, these guys behind me while I was walking around were getting a $75 ticket for 13 14 15 bucks so a lot of seats available at uh, at Petco in fact if you took out the cub fans there might have been 500 people there maybe maybe who knows anyway great place to go the shade at uh, in the third base seats was great, so we were protected from the sun for most of the game. It was great. It was a fun time, and like I said, the Cubs held on, and they needed to hold on so they could have a happy plane ride home. And now, today, Friday, they take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at Wrigley Field. They play the Pirates for three, then the Reds come in for three, then they play the Cardinals for a big, big four-game series at Wrigley, and that's it. That's the end of the season. That's 81 home games. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. I can't believe it went so fast. Now, if the Bears lose this weekend, then people are going to be desperate for the Cubs to, to get in the playoffs. So we'll see. They've got an uphill battle, given the fact that they don't have Javi, they don't have Russell, they don't have Kimbrell, and the rest of their bullpen is just hurting. So what do you do? I mean, Joe Madden... He's a magician, but what can he do if he doesn't have an assistant to help him with the magic? There ain't no magic at Wrigley. But that's another thing. In another 16 games, if the Cubs aren't in the playoffs, Joe's a free agent. Boom. So anyway, that's the end of, this could be segment number four on uh, my podcast 32, the Sandy Koufax podcast. We may come back. And uh, do some more. We may turn this into uh, number 33. And number 33, the only number 33 that comes to my mind without looking, 
is the third base coach for the 59 White Sox, Tony Cuccinello. That's right. If you're listening out there and you're a White Sox fan from the Go-Go Sox in 1959, that would be none other than Tony Cuccinello, that great third base coach, waved in enough runs to win the Cubs, the or the White Sox, the American League pennant, and uh, just fall a game or two short in the World Series. They lost four to two games to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right after they moved out of Brooklyn, they went out to L.A., and then they beat up on the poor White Sox. But that's it, folks. I am tonight, and I'll take another run at Royals food because it's just, I don't know, it has improved. I'll give it that. But tonight, I'm going out there with my grandkids to watch the Astros, take a few pictures, send them to my brother, and then come back and maybe talk a little bit about that experience at uh, Royal Stadium or the K or Kauffman Stadium or whatever it's going to be called with the new ownership. And uh, that's um, that's interesting. We were talking yesterday on the podcast a little bit about whether the new owner will somehow uh, strike a deal with Frank White so that he comes back into the fold with the Royals. He deserves to be there. I mean, my goodness gracious, there's only three numbers of real Royals that have been retired, and that would be Brett, Hauser, and Frank White. So, I mean, why in the world wouldn't you reach out to Frank and say, look, Frank, we want you, we'll pay you to be a, a guy, but you're going to have to be a good guy. You're not going to be able to, you know, dog on our team, and I think that'd be fine. I'd be more than happy to mediate that one. So, at any rate, uh, this is another little segment of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. I've had fun. The, uh, uh, I'm going to try to look at the technical part of uh, Doug's interview. There seem to be a few sound problems that I'm sure I caused. And uh, we may have to do that again, so I'm not sure. But anyway, Jamie Retsky, Lighter Side of Baseball. We'll be back with some other segment soon. And back we are. We uh, did a sound check once we got back to our home broadcast studios in Overland Park, Kansas. And we ascertained that although the sound quality, because of my ineptitude with the microphones and the overhanging ledge in the condominium, which caused an echo, led to some difficulties with the broadcast. The points that Doug Goode made were so excellent that I just wanted to get it out to the listening audience as podcast number 32, exploring the last few weeks of Major League Baseball. And so, this is segment number two, trying not to confuse everybody, segment number two of podcast 33. And we talked about the White Sox third base coach, which to most people wouldn't mean much, but that was the 59 White Sox were celebrating their 60th anniversary of that American League pennant, which was so elusive to any Chicago sports franchise. Interestingly, 1959, while the White Sox were winning the pennant, for the second year in a row, the shortstop on the team across town, playing at Wrigley Field, number 14, Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks won his second Most Valuable Player Award. Now, how cool is that? Didn't get much recognition. And I'm still plowing through the Ernie Banks book. And when I'm done, I'll give a review because you ought to go out and read it. It's a great book. And I think it's called Let's Play 2. But I'll figure it out. I'll get that information to you. Uh, So, today, to get chronological on you, uh, today is a great day. The Chicago Cubs woke up. 
despite my characterization of their sleeping through the pennant drive. They scored a record 47 runs in a three-game series, which is, in modern-day baseball, uh, the most runs ever scored in a three-game series for that franchise. Kudos to everybody, man. It was home run derby again, uh, although they did score some runs without the uh, benefit of a home run. But Nico, who we've talked about, Nico, Nico, not Rico, but Nico had a great great weekend, hit a couple home runs. Castellanos is playing like Ty Cobb, a clean version of Ty Cobb. Got to go get that guy's contract signed. Call up uh, his agent uh, right now. Unfortunately, that's Scott Boris, but uh, hey. Uh, the Cubs are going to have to pay. They got Chris Bryant. All of a sudden, he started hitting. And uh, so everything on Friday went great. We went out to the Royals game, and uh, that was a blast. I took my grandkids out there, and uh, again, I was in search of that perfect uh, hot dog. So the kids were hungry. I was hungry. We get into the ballpark just a few minutes before the game starts. And it's Buck Knight. Now, Buck Knight is not named after Buck O'Neill, the famous Kansas City Monarch, Chicago Cub coach, guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, but kind of got hosed before he died, and they put a statue in Cooperstown. Not enough. But be that as it may, Buck Knight is not about Buck O'Neill. It's about dollar food, dollar hot dogs, dollar popcorn, dollar peanuts. And so we come in, and... We get to the first little stand at Royal Stadium, and I've been sampling the cuisine at uh, the Aramark, their horrible concessionaire does. And, uh, you know, i got to tell you, for years and years, this food was really bad. But we get to the an area where they actually grill the hot dog, and I go, we'll take three of those. And the lady, very nice lady, I'm sure, said, well, these aren't dollar dogs. You need to go over there. And I went, well, no, I don't want to go over there. I want these hot dogs. They look pretty good. And she goes, no, no, you really want the dollar dog. And I go, I don't want the dollar dog. And we argued for like five minutes while the Houston Astros hit a friggin' home run. It was the only run of the game until Bubba Starling Starling, uh, in the eighth inning uh, got a base hit, stole second, went to third on a wild pitch, scored on a sack fly, tied the game one-to-one going into the ninth inning. The amazing thing was we were all still there. Now, my grandkids would stay through a doubleheader. They love it, love the food, love the game. Our seats are awesome. Uh, me, on the other hand, man, I'd be out there by the, before, the, before the ground crew came out to change the bases the first time. But we stayed. And uh, anyway, back to the hot dog. So we finally convinced this lady. She goes, well, you know, they're more than a dollar. I, I, I figured that. And uh, so... We got these dogs that were grilled, and they go, well, you know, um, a bag of potato chips comes with that. And I go, that's great. It's a good deal. And they said, now, what you put on the hot dog depends upon what the price is. And I go, wait a minute. Tell me again. Like, if I get mustard, is that an extra dollar, and ketchup's another dollar, and pickle relish is another dollar, and celery salt might be 25 cents? Explain that to me. She goes, well, what do you want on it? I go, mustard and onions, and the kids want theirs plain. Oh, that'll be $18. I go, yeah, okay, so I'm not the greatest uh, uh, negotiator in the world. So for three hot dogs, instead of $3, we paid 18 But they were, I got to say it, they're great. So if you go in the left field corner where there's a place for season ticket holders but also a regular gate, the first 
gate, if you walk towards home plate on the right, is a hot dog stand that actually has great hot dogs. I'm going back there. And uh, my buddy said the cheese stick's pretty good. So anyway, we go to the game, we watch the game. The kids want different food. We get different food. And then my buddy, who I'm going to have host, uh, co-host a podcast, Bob Burris, has what I call Bob Kebabs, but I think he calls them Barry Kebabs. And uh, he gave the kids a, a free sample. They loved it. What the Bob Kebab is, is it's like fruit with chocolate drizzle on it and cheesecake, et cetera, et cetera, on a stick. And he sells it for 7 bucks, and he knows what he's doing. He's been in professional baseball or sports all of his life through his dad in Colorado. And uh, that's pretty good. So after I went down and got a couple soft drinks and some peanuts, I went back to Bob and said, you know, for 40 years the concessions have been managed worse than anything I've ever seen in any sports stadium anywhere. And I said, you should, you should uh, talk to the Royals about running the whole show because your operation is good and theirs is beyond bad. Beyond bad, 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 worse than anywhere. And so I say that to my hometown team. Maybe John Sherman, the new owner, will say, hey, you know what? If I'm going to pay a billion bucks for this, I'm going to at least have good service and people that know what the heck they're doing. And uh, we don't right now. But anyway, good teams, new managers. Speaking of managers, this was funny. The home plate umpire was horrible. I mean, everybody was mad at him. The Astros were mad at him. The Royals were mad at him. But, I mean, this guy's ringing everybody up. I'm loving it. He applied my rule of hand outside, fist outside, fist inside, up, down, strike, strike, strike. So, seven, top of the, I think it was the seventh inning maybe, maybe the bottom of the seventh inning. After the seventh inning stretch, the ground crew comes out to change the bases and the cheerleaders or whatever they have are throwing T-shirts to the crowd. And and Ned wanders out, unbeknownst to anybody other than very astute fans, i.e. me, and he starts arguing with the umpire. And after about three words, Ned must have been tired or bored, he got thrown out of the game and nobody saw it. He didn't get the team excited. He didn't get the fans charged up. He just went out there in the middle of nothing else going on and I don't think anybody knew he got thrown out. Maybe Denny Matthews woke up long enough to know that. Denny, retire, man. You're in the Hall of Fame. Give it up. Please, do yourself a favor. Stop. Anyway, so Ned gets thrown out, and the Royals don't score in the bottom of the eighth, although they did tie it up. Maybe they scored. And then in the ninth inning, up comes Springer with two guys on. Springer had gone 0 for 4 with three swinging strikes. Strikeouts. Boom. Hits a home run. We're, we're 25 feet from the home plate, maybe 30. And, I mean, with a crowd of 10,000 people, mostly Astro fans, you could hear the crack of the bat. So that was fun. We left. Game over. Well, that was Friday night, and then uh, now this is the end of the weekend. This segment is the wrap-up of the weekend segment, and we'll be back in about five minutes uh, after, no, not again, not a word from our sponsor, but just a little break, and then uh, we'll finish it up with what is going on in the last three, two, one weeks of baseball. So we're done with the third week of the season being over. Now we're down to two weeks. The Cubs have 13 games, seven of them 
are with the Cardinals. How much fun is that? This is going to be playoff baseball this week. The Cubs play the Reds, who they've had a horrible time with, haven't got a 500 record against the Reds. And they're going to face Sonny Gray and Castillo, so that's going to be tough at Wrigley. Then the Cardinals come in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going Thursday and Saturday. Looking forward to it. Then the Cubs get out of town and they go to, I believe, Pittsburgh and then back to St. Louis to end up the season. Woohoo! What a great end. So, here we are. We've got 13 games left and what happened? Remember last uh, time on podcast I said if the Cubs had lost that game in San Diego, blowing a four-run lead, which they didn't do, they'd be five games behind the Cardinals? Well... As of Sunday, thanks to an unbelievable game in St. Louis, the Cubs are two games behind the Cardinals. They're one and a half games behind the Nationals for the first playoff spot, wild card spot. They're a game in front of the Brewers. The Brewers, you can just figure that out. The Brewers are three games behind the Cardinals, two and a half games behind the Nationals. So, what does all that mean? And how did we get there? Well, here's how we got there. Yesterday, the Brewers, who had only won one game all year in St. Louis, won against Flaherty, who's one of the top pitchers in the National League. Woohoo! Great game. Then today, in a game that was called by my friend Craig Kashan and his sidekick, Rock, and Craig's a great play-by-play guy. He, he really is. He, he doesn't talk too much, doesn't talk too little. He just covers the game, and he does a great job with it. Anyway, so it's the ninth inning. The Cardinals are ahead 4-3. to three. The bases are loaded, and Ryan Braun comes to the plate. Uh, the, the count goes to 3-2 and two against a new pitcher, and he throws a curveball because he's having a little trouble getting his fastball over. He doesn't want to walk in. The tie and run. And uh, so Braun, he fouls off the first 3-2 and two count. And he comes back with another hanging curveball, right letter high, a curveball, 80 miles an hour. Bronny crushed it into the seats that were occupied by Cardinal fans out in left field. Within 15 seconds of that ball landing, the quote, greatest baseball fans in America, close quote, were gone. They were heading for the exits, baby. The greatest fans in the world didn't want to stick around. So the Brewers take a three-run lead into the bottom of the ninth inning, and they bring in Josh Hader, their closer. And he gets first guy out, and then he walks the next guy, and doggone it if the third guy up hits a home run to make the game Seven to six, and who is coming up but Bader? And I, I sent Craig a text: Bader versus Hader. I mean, can you? You can't. You can't make that stuff up. So here's Hader pitching to Bader, who's already got two homers, Bader Homer Baders, and uh, he has two homers today. And uh, Hader strikes him out with high fastballs. The guy can't lay off a fastball. Unbelievable. And then up strolled another guy who couldn't lay off fastballs, and uh, boom, there was no contest. That guy was outmatched, and uh, game over. Pretty spectacular. So the Brewers took two out of three. The Cubs won 
scoring 47 runs in three games, won all three games at Wrigley, and find themselves two games out of first. And they got to sweep Cincinnati. They got to at least take two out of three from Cincinnati. The Cardinals have a rough finish to their season. The Nationals come to town tomorrow. And then uh, um, after that, they play the Cubs for four games. And much to my wandering eyes do I see, that's kind of a takeoff from the night before Christmas, I just look at the matchups for the three games in St. Louis against the Washington Nationals. And, you know, things don't always go scripted. I mean, Granke could lose a game somewhere. Verlander may get beat by some rum-dum team. But the Cardinals face Strasburg on Monday, Corbin on Tuesday, and... Scherzer on Wednesday. Hello, baby. Cubsies have a shot at this now. So I'm getting all excited about matchups, which is a mistake to do, but you never know. I like our chances, although the Cubs face two really good pitchers themselves. Then they go to St. Louis, and uh, we flip the, you know, we turn over the starting uh, rotation, and we should have Lester. Who knows? We'll see. We'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, that's that's the scoop. We got a pennant race. The Nationals are floundering. Uh, they have bullpen trouble. They never should have gotten rid of my friend Sammy Solis, but they did, and that's their problem. So at any rate, it is time to move this show to Chicago, Illinois. I'm heading out to Wrigley tomorrow. I'll try to get some new food to talk about on Tuesday. We're going to step up the podcast. We're going to go for 42 to 50, and uh, we're going to see what happens in these last Two weeks of baseball. The season is over. Two nights from tonight. Two weeks from tonight, it's over. We have a pretty good idea of who's playing who, unless there's a tie. So, for Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball, I appreciate everybody listening, and I hope that uh, if you're out there on the golf course, you hit them straight, and if everything else is going great in your life, you and your family are having a healthy, happy weekend. As we head into the second half of September, fall is on the way. The fall classic is soon to start, and uh, we're going to have playoff baseball before you know it. So for Jamie Uretsky, have a great night, and we will be back at the mic in a day or two. Thanks for listening to On the Lighter Side of Baseball. Thank mm-hmm. you.